Welcome to Know My Faith. It's good to see you and uh, good for you to see us as well. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my guest is Gary Bates from Creation Ministries International. And Gary, my first question is, has President Biden been on the phone to you yet? <laughs> no, he hasn't asked me to consult with him on their search for uh, extraterrestrials or their information about what are UFOs. But um, then again, you wouldn't expect him to ask a little old Christian like me. No, but this is a pretty big thing, though, isn't it, with with the Pentagon actually admitting that there are... They don't call them UFOs, though, do they? It's, it's UAP. No, they call them unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAPs now, is the new term. So, uh, yeah, we need to get with the program and, uh, and address them by the correct moniker. Uh, you know, what's surprising, Rob, you know, and uh, I've known you for a few years, is that uh, I wrote my book, Alien Intrusion. It was released back in 2005. And, you know, even in Christian circles, people said, you know, why are you dealing? Oh, you got one of the old versions there. But, yeah. um, you know, why is a Christian dealing with this? And, oh, the whole UFO stuff, that's old hat. That was big in the 60s and the 70s. But I have to say it's uh, its time and place has come. What uh, I find really interesting in all the years I've been looking at this and researching is will some governments in the world have been candid about what they find? Mexico, south of the border here where I live in the US, their uh, military, the Air Force has released footage. We had the famous Mexico wave of the 60s. That's right. Shiny objects appeared in downtown Mexico City. They were seen on dozens of video cameras. And the natural inclination is, well, the government must know something about it. But they turned around and they said, we've got no idea what it is. But they didn't view it as a, a, a lack of control. You know, yeah. the US government always likes to give the impression it's control in control of things. But I've always made the point that if these are spiritual manifestations, which some of them are, not all of them are, we can explain about 90% of them, then what would you expect officialdom to say? That's right. They don't recognise the supernatural. Um, and we could talk about some of the characteristics of these, why indeed, you know, they are supernatural. Well, I think that, I mean, that's all covered in your book uh, and in the film as well. And I've got to say there's, there's two books from, I mean, I love everything. I mean, if I, if I lean down here onto my coffee table at home, I've got the, the magazines and everything. Just We have them around all the time and uh, your ministry is awesome. But the two books that I, that I absolutely love from the moment they came out, one was uh, Genetic Entropy by John Stanford and uh, Sanford and the other one was uh, Alien Intrusion. And, and it just, it opens your eyes up. And as a Christian, obviously we we have the spiritual side of us, but it's, it's when you look at the, the facts and the fact, when the facts back up what we believe, you go, yeah, this is great. And and what you've done with the book, uh, what is, is it like 15, 20 years old now? Uh, 2005. 2005. 16 years, 16 years yeah. yeah. Um, 10th printing, I think. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised, but what you've done is you've, you've step by step gone through the recorded phenomena and then you've looked at how can this be, how can this be, how can this be, and come to a spiritual conclusion that, that it's a, it's a interterrestrials, not extraterrestrials. Yeah. So there were two views. So the old view um, and I will say, even since that book was uh, written and launched, within the UFO movement itself, there's been a change. So 
you know, when we came out with the movie, which was just a few years ago, yeah. which, you know, was on actually on cinemas worldwide, theatres worldwide, um, we were showing the UFO experts themselves using terms like it is not extraterrestrial in the sense that, you know, people watch sci-fi and people whizzing around in their faster-than-light spaceships, that it is interdimensional. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you recall a scene in the movie, we had John Mack, who's one of who's deceased, but was one of the heavyweights of the UFO movement. He was a former professor and head of Harvard Medical School. Yes. And, and uh, he thought, he's a psychologist by trade, and he thought, uh, you know, looking at all of these people who claim to have had alien abductions, it would make a good clinical study. And he went out with a guy who wrote a book called um, Abductions, uh, um, sorry, Missing Time, Bud Hopkins, yeah. And uh, he followed Bud Hopkins around. And uh, we had an interview with John Mack on the Oprah's show and then later on with another PhD psychologist. And he said two things in both of those interviews. And he said um, the way that the, the trauma of these victims expresses itself, he said lies don't present like that, imagination doesn't present like that, only real experience can present the, the yeah. clinical symptoms that they're undergoing. And then when he was talking to another PhD, I mean, it just about blew me off my chair when he said, what we are dealing with are spirit beings. Now, this guy's um, a professing atheist. Yes. Right? Professor of Harvard Medical School. He said, we are dealing with spirit beings who are coming from another realm or dimension. And he believed that it was kind of, you know, here to give us a... a an intervention of some sorts to create this new awareness that there were these other realms. So I kind of said to people that, you know, when they turn around and said, oh, well, it's typical of you Christians, you will just spiritualize everything you don't understand and say it's demonic. And I'm saying, no, no, hang on. It's your guys that are saying this. That's now. right. Yeah. You said this 16 years ago when the book came out, but your guys have kind of caught up because it's the actual evidence of the manifestations themselves and the experiences that people have that show that it is spiritual. We would say spiritual is yeah. supernatural. They use the term interdimensional. Interdimensional. That, that's the thing is In that, that case he says they are spirit beings. Yeah. So the the the, the phenomena we're, we're, he's talking about is the is the abductions, the alien abductions, which whether it's an Inuit Eskimo or a Kalahari Bushman, they all experience the same sort of thing. And all around the world, if somebody is abducted by aliens, so the phenomena is real, but the thing is the, the, the physics of it don't work in a, in a, call it a Newtonian universe. Naturalistic world. It, you, you can't have, you can't have um, beings that, that push through walls. You can't have uh, unidentified aerial phenomena that fly at Mach 12 and then, then do a right-hand turn. It just, it, it's physically impossible. So you've, you've got, yeah. is it, there's one side that says, well, it's all fake, it's not, but in your book, in, your, in the movie, you've shown it's not, the phenomena is real, but also that it can't be physical. Yeah, well, you know, I kind of have a bit of a different view. As Christians, we think of the spirit realm as just being kind of vaporous and ghostly and ethereal. But when you think about it, the Bible records visitors from the spiritual realm. But whenever they visit us, they always visit us in physical form. Well, that's true. It's yeah, challenging to us. And I often say to people, well, what do we deem as spirit? So you and I are Christians, Rob. We're physical, but we also are spiritual beings. 
And when our flesh goes, you know, we are going to go on, be resurrected in a new heavens and earth that will be real, a real physical place as well. So we tend to see through a glass a, a little bit dimly, I think, in that respect. And I don't profess to have all the answers there. But, um, you know, when you think about the three visitors that sat down with Abraham, yeah, right? I mean, they sat and they ate food. And we, we take the view that they're angels, but where did the food go? Did they have stomach organs and digestive tracts? And and then, you know, I wrote in a, a, an article, um, you know, uh, on creation.com about, you know, can the spiritual realm also be physical? You take the episode of Moses and Aaron in Pharaoh's court and I often say to Christians, well, tell me, remember the story? Oh, yeah, well, Moses, uh, sorry, Aaron throws down his staff and it becomes a stake. And I said, well, what did the conjurers do? Yes. And they said, well, they threw a, a staff down and, it, and, and I said, what did it become? And they say, well, it became an illusion or something like uh, that. Yeah, yeah. They, the, or maybe, maybe maybe it was those snakes that, that go rigid when you hold them and they just look like stars. But to, to me, the, 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 the spiritual, uh, unreal spiritual side of that is not that the magicians could uh, could turn the staffs into snakes. It was that Aaron's snake ate the other ones. Bingo. It wasn't an illusion. It, it was a real physical snake that it ate. Yeah. And as I say, I don't have the answers, but somehow when we look at that and we always, and in CMI, you know, we always try to derive, not be speculative, derive our uh, scientific positions and, and, you know, cultural positions even from the admonitions of Scripture. And there's an example where the enemy somehow spiritually manifested something physically. Yeah. How did they do that? I don't know. And, and what we do know with just UFO sightings and the craft is they leave physical traces. They appear on radar. And at the, at the beginning, you mentioned the US government. And I, and I was going to say that for years, I've said that other governments apart from the US have been very candid, but the US has said we can neither confirm or deny. Of course. And, and in the movie, we showed some excerpts from a Washington Press Club uh, conference where 80 Air Force officers, not just enlisted men, and this is, you know, I have to say some of this even troubles me as a Christian and as a researcher, but they're giving testimony about these objects and lights that entered our mis the nuclear missile silos in America and deactivated the missiles. So that is a threat to American security, yeah. but the America is not going to acknowledge that because they don't want to say, well, something's interfering with our frontline defence systems. But guess what's happened in recent years? They have said that. And I've been saying there's been this U-turn in policy, and I suspect that the US government is prepping us for some sort of announcement because if they see these things that defy the laws of physics, they don't recognise the spiritual realm. Yep. And in one respect, I mean, in that conference, they said, well, what, what else could it be but a technology so advanced upon our own that, that it looks spiritual or, it, you know? Yep. Um, you well, know, they're, they're, they're doing that... They're doing that in the in the Marvel movies, aren't they, with Asgard and things, and and with with Doctor Strange. You know, it's it's manipulating the known laws of the universe and a science that's so advanced it appears to be magic to us primitive humans. Yeah, well, people say to me, well, you know, Gary, they've been working on anti gravity anti gravity craft, and I yep. say, no, they haven't. <laughs> you know, as long as you and I are standing here on the Earth, we're going to have to deal with the Earth's gravity. You can build more and more powerful propulsion units 
to, to you know, propel yourself away. But, I mean, you can't switch off the Earth's gravity. It's impossible. So yep. a bit of a misnomer of terms, but what Arthur C. Clarke once said, you know, science, famous science fiction writer, he said, any technology sufficiently advanced might appear kind right. of magical to us, and that's where they go. And some of these aspects, as you know, have had implications for the church. I remember being at a meeting in uh, north of Brisbane some years ago, and I showed some photos from a lady who'd had an abduction experience, and she tried to explain it within, you know, what she felt was her Christian worldview, and said, well, Elijah was raptured into a flying saucer, and the Red Sea was parted, parted by UFOs that came down and, you know, helped the Hebrews escape. And people in the church laughed, and I remember this well-dressed middle-aged guy come up, and he said, well, what, what's wrong with that? He said, after all, Jesus was just an advanced extraterrestrial. It was by virtue of his advanced technology that he could yeah. raise the dead, turn water into wine, and those primitive Christians, you know, wrote it down as if it was a miracle or something. So even today, I think people think that if a technology was so advanced, we would mistake it for, you know, something surreal or illusionary or something like that. We try and uh, explain it in, in in terms that help our limited little minds. When I asked, did, did you get sidetracked into into the whole alien thing? With I mean, you, you're, you're a creationist, and there's an awful lot more to creation. You know, think, okay, dinosaurs and, 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 and rocks and whatever, and, and then here's Gary for... For 15, 20 years off with the aliens. Yeah, well, when I joined the ministry, I've been a volunteer for many years back in Perth, Western Australia, uh, speaking part time for the ministry and uh, running a, a support group there. Uh, when I joined the ministry full time in Brisbane, my boss at the time, uh, Carl Whelan, who I describe as kind of my mentor, yep. um, he, I said to him one day, and I, I was kind of a garden variety science fiction fan, a bit, bit more than the average. You know, I'd read a, a few of the good books and you know, particularly loved Star Trek, uh, was into that and, you know, loved the new sci-fi movies like Star Wars. And I said to him one day, the ministry had never really written anything on this because the concept of advanced extraterrestrial life is, you know, what is out there, you've still got to deal with the origin story. I mean, yeah. here we, you know, it's either creation or evolution. They're the only two games in town. So even if you said there really was an advanced alien technology that is visiting us from a galaxy far, far away, where did they come from? They, they either evolved or they were created. Exactly. And I said, I actually, so it started out, I said, we could kind of use science fiction and that is the number one, you know, you mentioned Marvel, it's even bigger now than it ever was. I yep. mean, sci-fi movies are unquestionably the highest grossing genre of any genre within oh. TV and movies. And uh, I said we could use that to introduce people to creation evolution discussion. But then what happened is when I started to go off and seriously research it, I mean, the first, first UFO conference I went to, I'll never forget it, Rob, I was sitting at the back and some guy at the very front row claims he goes into a, uh, a, a trance-like state and he claimed to be channeling a message from an alien being right there. And oh, I'm, at the conference. Uh, at the conference, you know, and um, it's very disturbing. I mean, I, I don't know whether he was faking it or not, but if he was faking it, you know, he seemed like he was able to alter his voice and do all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah. And so I got a very rude introduction into the depth uh, that people can go to into this. Sociologists have said it's a substitute religion. 
Because when you think about it, I often say in my talks, you know, the three big questions we talk about in the church and outside the church are, you know, where do we come from? Why are we here? What's our meaning and purpose to life? Yeah. What happens to us when we die? So yeah, evolution can answer that, right? I come from nothing. There is no meaning or purpose to life. And when I die, you know, they burn you up, put you in the ground. Of course, from the Bible, if God is creator, we were created with meaning and purpose. And what happens to us when we die? Well, that depends upon what decisions you make, you know, for, for question number two. That's right. But with both of those, and sorry to labour this, but question one will always determine the answers to question two and three. Yeah. For meaning and purpose and what happens to you. Go back to your origin story. But here's where the alien hypothesis can substitute that because people believe that aliens are our creators, and that's not just sci-fi anymore. I mean, they don't know how really the first amino acids formed the first protein that formed the first cell and how life got going. But maybe aliens planted life here, and that's become a mainstream science view. Yeah. And so if aliens created us, well, guess what? Maybe they can give us meaning and purpose and tell us why we're here. Maybe they can actually tell us what happens to us when we die. So it has all the hallmarks of a substitute religion. Uh, I love the way Ben Stein in his movie uh, Expelled, he gets Richard Dawkins to actually admit that he doesn't know. Nobody knows how life started. Well, well actually, we do, Richard. We do know. Um, the, one of the things that uh, has been around for a long, long time um, from the Christian aspect is the Nephilim. And every now and again, the talk comes about about the Nephilim before the return of Jesus. And when we're talking about them, we're talking about these spiritual beings because we know from the Bible that these are the demons, the fallen angels, and or, or mixed in with that. Um, do you see uh, an increase at the moment in, in talk regarding that? Yeah, I think the Nephilim were destroyed at the flood. And here's a controversial view, if you want some controversy to help your ratings. Uh, <laughs> there is a view around that uh, fallen angels and demons are not the same thing. And the fact that demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim that were destroyed at the flood, the Nephilim being the offspring of the, the, demon, the demons and humans. With yeah. Fallen angels, which is interesting because we we're talking about how angels can be physical. Um, it was an interesting uh, bit of research done by a guy called Tim Chaffee. He's got a, an e-book out there called The Sons of God of the Nephilim, and he charted, like in a spreadsheet, what all the early church fathers believed. And the most common view from that history is that the sons of God were fallen angels and that the Nephilim were actually... Um, destroyed in the flood and that demons concurrently this were the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, which is okay. why in the New Testament they seem to require embodiment and, and possess people. Whereas if angels are appearing physically, why would they need to do that? I'm a little ambivalent about it. I think there is some textual support. It's an interesting idea. I'm not sure it's something that we have enough information to prove. But when you look at some of the non uh, canonical books, you know, the wider apocrypha books, there's, there is certainly a lot of information in there that says that the early church view uh, and some of the writings of the time certainly believe that Nephilim were actually uh, disembodied or demons were disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. So do I think it's happening again? Uh, well, no, when the Bible kind of talks about in the days of Noah, which is what people are referring to. I don't think it's specifically referring to that event. I think it's talking about a time when sin will increase upon the world 
and the time is right when you know Christ will return and either there'll be a judgment or he'll reign for a thousand years depending upon your eschatological view at that time. Uh, we are seeing, I believe, uh, even the whole idea of UFOs and aliens has become an old hat and it doesn't get reported as much because it's not the sensationalist news it used to be. But in my experience, I know like when the movie came out, Rob, I got contacted by hundreds of people, more so than I've ever done in all my years of ministry. And we had a little uh, epilogue to that with an interview with a few guys which said, hey, if you've had this experience, go to alienintrusion.com and just write it down. And I've, I've found over the years it's very cathartic for people just to be able to share. Yes. Because it's very, I mean, it's a bit difficult to, you know, turn up for work on Monday morning and stand around the water cooler and say, let me tell you what happened to me last night. I was abducted by aliens. I went into a spaceship. I went out to this galaxy somewhere else and they did all these horrible things to me. So people tend to be insular. They don't tend to share it. And what I found is one of the great, and I, I try to say to Christians, you know, we like to have answers. But when you meet someone that's had one of these experiences, I say there are three things you need to do. <laughs> listen, listen. And listen. Yeah. And something I never expected is, you know, when I go out and talk on it and I can see people sitting over there away from the rest of the group or people phone me to share their experiences, um, they've never had anybody who's understood before. They kind of say to me, it was just like you said. So they so immediately that creates a bit of empathy. And that's why I say we need to listen. Don't deny the experience. Don't say, oh, you're just being demon-possessed or you're afflicted by demons because they'll just turn around and go off into, you know, a UFO centre somewhere who'll say, hey, we've got people just like you, yeah. and they'll get embraced by them. And, you know, I found that on this subject, if we approach it correctly, it's a great outreach opportunity because so many people have this experience. How many are we talking? Are we talking tens of thousands? Are we into the millions? Oh, we'd have to be into the tens of millions worldwide if you wanted to extrapolate. I mean, there was a Roper poll conducted in uh, in 19, I think it was 1998. I probably got my dates wrong. And they interviewed many thousands of Americans. And if extrapolating that, and I disagree with some of the ways that they did in the because I felt some of the questions were a little leading, but yep. if you extrapolated that back then across the just the American population alone, they said that uh, that sh this would mean that 20 million Americans had seen a UFO, which was just short of 10% of the population, and 4 million Americans claimed to have been abducted by aliens. So it's no small thing. And right. you mentioned other cultures. Now, it doesn't necessarily manifest itself as a UFO in the jungles of New Guinea but they most certainly do have stories of spirit beings appearing physically and manifesting. And, and you know, you go back to legends of the Irish and the little people, which people believed. Yep. In the early 1900s, we had the fairies stories, which people dismiss today because no one believes in fairies today. But people in those days were having experiences with beings. They were pop culture, as UFOs are today, with fairies. And they got taken away to different places. There was encounters of them being sexually interfered with, as abductees report today. So, so there's nothing new. It's just that in the modern times, if we want to call them that now, the idea that an extraterrestrial craft can fly millions of light years across the universe to choose you, take you from your room at night, 
tell you you're special, come and revisit you. I mean, that is a life-changing experience for people, you know, if they they don't know Jesus and have never been in the church. Well, the Bible says, uh, you know, the the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. That's, That's his whole attitude. And if he can do that one by one by abducting someone and turning them away from Jesus and believing in aliens, he's done his job. And, you know, we know, we, we all know mean people that are just mean because they're mean. And Satan is the meanest of the mean. And if he can destroy someone, he'll do it. And with whatever means he has, whether it's animistic in Africa or in, in India, or whether it's aliens in New York or London. Yeah. I mean, I've often said, I try always to liken it to our own experiences. I mean, I often say to Christians, do you think Satan can read the Bible? So of course he can. Yeah, I mean, geez, he stood there and he tempted the creator of the universe, Jesus, with his own words, right? Yeah. To try to tempt him, uh, turning his own words. So if he can read the Bible, do we, does he know his fate? Of course he knows his fate. And, and he was a created being, you know, a, a, obviously a, a cherub before God. Do does he think he can defeat God? No, the only mechanism at his means is to spite God. Yes. Right? I know I'm done, so I'm going to take down as as many with me as I can. It's a bit like... Uh, it's, 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 it's like the Germans at the end of... Iraq. It's like the Germans at the end of World War II. They were just yeah, destroying everything as they were retreating. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, that's his nature. And I think sometimes, Rob, I think we overcomplicate things as Christians. You know, yeah. um, there are very simple answers if we take the Bible straightforwardly and we take it straightforward as history. And that history yeah. also helps us understand what might unfurl in the future. So just to encapsulate, Satan knows his fate, whether it's false religions, whether it's spiritualism or New Age or UFOs or, like you say, fairies or spirit beings in the jungle, it's all designed to get our eyes off the creator yeah. universe and the creator and you think about it, is the only one that can save us. That's right. The the Pope, I think it was the Pope said, just with this current, uh, you know, news stories and bits and pieces, the Pope said, uh, you know, he'd be happy to baptise aliens. And I had a little chuckle about that. And I thought, to me, the, the belief that there are aliens in outer space, and, and I'm a little bit like you because I've, you know, I've, I've been involved with creation ministries for so many, many years now. So it, it, outer space aliens, impossible. But I'm thinking it's probably a lack of knowledge of the Bible that would actually allow you to believe in aliens. So what I want to ask you is, can we show and prove from a Christian point of view, from the Bible, that there is no extraterrestrial life? Is it possible to prove that from Scripture? I, I believe it is. So I'm going to look away from, because I've got some notes on another screen, just to make sure I don't miss anything. Notes are great. If I could refer people to, on creation.com, all they've got to sign in is, did God create life on other planets? Now, Rob, in no sense self-aggrandizing, but, but you know, I mean, I've literally spoken in thousands of churches over the years, and I often get requested to do a, an aliens talk and yep. a talk. And without question, in churches, the number one objection I get is, well, God could have created life on other planets. And so therefore aliens might exist. 
Uh, I'll explain in a moment why I think Christians say that. It's not because of the evidence of aliens, but it does leave the door ajar. So the first thing is if we take the Bible's history true, if God is creator, he created the whole universe, right? The heavens yeah. and earth were created by God. Um, and then we know that with Adam's fall, that the whole of the universe was affected. How do we know that? Because God's going to create a new heavens and earth. And the term heavens and earth, it's a term, so, you know, people might say, well, there might be unfallen parts of the universe. No, the heavens and earth describes the entirety of God's creation. How do we know that? Because it's kind of a, a grammatical term known as a merism. It's a bit like saying, well, Rob, I want to come to your house tomorrow and we're going to paint the house from top to bottom. Now, implied in that statement, you know, I kind of mean we're going to paint everything. Yes. We're going to paint the top and we're going to paint the bottom. And the heavens and the earth are the two extreme points of that. That's everything that God created. So when Adam fell, that heavens and earth is cursed. And we know that because, as I said, God's going to make a new heavens and earth where we'll live for him forever and there'll be sin no more. So when we think about this logically, so if God created aliens on another planet, poor old Mr. Spock and his fellow Vulcans are sitting out there, they're affected by the curse. They die, they get cancers, they must have disease because the whole of creation has been affected. So one is, well, maybe they, they didn't sin. So wouldn't that be unfair to inflict them yep. <laughs> Adam's curse? Maybe they've got no knowledge of what happened. And then when we look at the end of time, when God makes a new heavens and earth, those aliens, those Vulcans, are going to get rubbed out, destroyed. Now, clearly, the Bible says it's only the descendants of Adam that can be saved. When Christ came to this earth, he took on human form. Remember in Isaiah, or I see I say Isaiah now, not Isaiah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're an American. Um, he was our kinsman redeemer. Yes. In Hebrews, it says it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. There's no mechanism in the Bible to save anything but human beings. And when you look at the whole purpose of creation, it was to bring forward a bride for Christ. So even though the Bible is silent about aliens, it's an argument from silence to say that they do exist. It's much better to say, well, if the Bible doesn't talk about aliens, it might be because they don't exist. So the Bible doesn't talk about everything, but you can derive what we call in CMI biblical wisdom. What is the purpose of creation? What was the purpose of the gospel? Who did Jesus die for? Who is going to be with him in a, you know, a new heavens and earth as resurrected believers? It's not going to be Vulcans or Klingons or whatever. So it's only going to be human beings. And so that's how we derive that position that there is no intelligent, sentient life in the order of moral decision-making human beings. I mean, if these really were aliens visiting us created by God, they've got a level of technology far superior to us. And if they're, if they're at that level, they'd be asking those three big questions, wouldn't they? You know, yeah. where, did here? where did we come from? Yeah. So. Larry Norman in the early 70s said that song, UFO. And uh, in one of the uh, the choruses, he says, you know, if, um, if there's life on other planets, then I'm sure that he must know. And he's been there once already and has died to save their souls which has Jesus floating around the universe from planet to planet, dying, and, and it doesn't make sense. And, and as you said, it's, it's the, so many people, and I, I'm, I'm surprised by this, so many people miss the, the meta story, as the current term is, of the Bible. 
the reason we were created was to have this intimate relationship with God. Um, if, if we'd never sinned, we would have forever remained creatures. We wouldn't have been able to have that. But because of the cross, because Jesus died for us, we are changed and will be changed, the Bible says, to be like him so that the fulfillment of that, and he uses the husband and wife, the marriage scenario, that's the whole purpose for, for creation. So why on earth would he go around creating life on other planets? Well, here's what's interesting, because the actual skeptics who believe, now some skeptics, when I say this, I'm talking about the diehard evolutionary atheist, not the, the, the you yep. know, carrying UFO believer type skeptic, but um, they wouldn't believe that the site the sightings and the things are real aliens because they understand the laws of physics and the impossibility for them to travel here. So they try to explain it as psychological delusions or whatever, but they most certainly would believe that life, if life evolved on the earth, it could have evolved countless times over. And because of that, they then say, well, if Jesus is the saviour of mankind, I mean, Professor Paul Davies, famous physicist from the UK, worked in Australia, is now at the University of Arizona, who's written books with audacious titles like The Mind of God, yep. doesn't it all start to become a little ludicrous? Is Jesus the saviour of all sentient beings or only the saviour of mankind? What about all these creatures that evolved elsewhere? Is he going to be crucified and raised again on other planets? Well, the Bible clearly says that Christ died once for all. Yeah. And we have to accept Christ by faith. Well, how are those aliens ever achieve redemption if they were created by God, if they don't know who Jesus is. And as I said, he didn't appear as a Klingon. He appeared as a human being because he had to redeem humans back to himself. And here's something significant, Rob, that I think a lot of people don't realize. In our sin, I mean, when God brought this curse upon the world and when we deal with death and suffering, it should be a reminder to us that something is wrong. Most people say, well, why would God allow this, you know, if he's a loving God? Well, he is a loving God. We should realize that we face an eternity, you know, without yeah. him. I mean, even if you're an atheist, what is there after death and all these bad things we see? So in short, what I'm trying to say is if God had not brought the curse, Adam and Eve would have lived eternally and us as their descendants eternally. But if God had not brought a curse and shortened our days, now, if it was not for the sacrifice of Christ, if we accept it, we would have been eternally separated from God. Yeah. But it's actually through sin and death, if we accept the gift of God and accept what Christ did for us and the grace of God in that, that we can be reconciled with him. And there can't be any more higher calling or purpose or meaning in our whole existences than ultimately to find out where we came from. And in our case, it's God that God is the creator and he did do something about all the death and suffering in the world. Yeah. Uh, and if he created once, of course, he can create again. That's that's what we're looking forward to as believers. The, the, the new creation. With um, with the book, I'm going to hold it up again, but we'll put we'll put a decent uh, graphic up there of this. Um, th th sorry, that's the old cover. It's, I'm not, you might have even autographed this one for me, which you did. Look at that. Is there a date on that? I'd have to look at the date. The one six, okay. <laughs> That's going back a ways. Um, are you finding that people who read the book, who have seen the movie, are having their eyes open? Now, th this is from a, from a Christian question and a non-Christian question. People who have 
question the whole UFO phenomenon and then they'll either read the book or they'll, they'll watch the movie. I hope they'll, they'll listen to the audio book I narrated for you. Um, are, are, you are you finding that they are going, oh, that changes the way I see the world? Definitely with Christians. Uh, when I get an opportunity to talk, and I just briefly covered some of those points, if I can point people and say, do you really really believe the Bible is the Word of God? Well, that's got to be our source document. Yeah. The only one, if you like, that came from that spiritual realm to us, because he's the creator, we should listen to him. And clearly the Bible, I believe, implies from big picture, it makes no provision for God-created aliens elsewhere. So that, that aspect is very important because, as we know, when people have these experiences, uh, in the majority of cases, there has to be an, an entryway. Yeah. And that entryway is that, well, you know, it could be even as, well, yeah, I have no problem that there's life on other planets. And even some Christians have been affected could say, well, maybe it's possible that God created life on other planets. So it's a doorway. Uh, that's one of the doorways. So for Christians... Kind of shutting that door, I think, is really, really important because it also affirms their faith in Scripture. We're living at a time when everybody, we're watching the movies, right? We're, we're living at a time when they're telling us how massive the universe is and there could be countless planets out there with countless life forms on them and so on and so forth. So it shuts that door. And even with Christians who've worked in the UFO movement, people like Joe Jordan, who's a leading researcher with MUFON, who's a Christian, um, he said to me it helped him shut the door on that idea. So we can clearly understand this yep. is the spiritual manifestation that's affecting us. Non-Christians, um, yes, I've had lots and lots of testimonies received over the years, and particularly from the movie. Now, of course, in the US, Rob, I live in a, a bit of a culture where kind of everybody calls themselves a Christian. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, we have high levels of church attendance. Uh, I'm not saying that everybody is a Christian. There's a lot of cultural Christianity here because people get exposed to the Bible and they go off to Sunday school and vacation Bible classes. Uh, but I've had a lot of people contact me um, and they have some Christian knowledge or background. And because of that, it's actually been easier to reach them with this information yep. because you can point them back to the stuff they may have learnt in their childhood and said, actually, this is real. There is a real spiritual realm. There is a real, you know, satanic enemy that's here to deceive us. And it's been very encouraging that it's given them some closure on the event because, as I said before, and I'm not trying to overstate this, uh, one of the things that surprised, you know, surprised me, it was interesting when the movie came out, uh, I got interviewed on Coast to Coast, you know, the Art Bell channel by George Nury. Okay. And I was originally on there in 2005 and he said, Gary, it's been like 15 years since we spoke. He said, you've been researching a long time. He says, is there anything that surprises you anymore? Because, you know, the whole phenomenon yeah. is so weird. And I thought about it and I actually said, yes, there is. It never ceases to amaze me how many people have been affected by this because they appear out of the woodwork all the time. A church even here advertises, you know, Gary Bates speaking Sunday night. And non-believers will come in just to listen to it. What's this Christian going to say about it? Yeah. You know, and then, as I said, they hear me and there's, there's this link of empathy because I'm explaining what the situation is. So it led me into an area of ministry, I have to say, that if, even my colleagues within CMI don't have much experience with because they deal with hard, robust science, and all of a sudden I'm talking with somebody that says, I went on a spaceship and yeah. I'm taken on a circumnavigation from Saturn and then I got put back in my bed, you know, 
two hours later, I had no idea I was I was going to enter into this field. Um, so that's one group. The other group, uh, I kind of use the term the card-carrying UFO believer. They are really, really hard to reach because they are so immersed into the, the religion and the worldview of it. And because of that, even if you were to present with them some coherent, hard scientific facts that show it didn't come from a galaxy far yeah. away, it appeared, it changed shape, these things can't do that physically, they will say, yeah, but we don't know. You know, so yeah, yeah. I'd say that type of group are very, very difficult to reach, but it has opened the eyes of some. I've tried to talk to others about it. Uh, often when I go to a, a location, I get a bit surprised and say, oh, we've contacted the local UFO group here to see if you will, they'll come and talk to you. And yeah. I'm like, oh, thanks for asking me. Uh, but they don't want to talk to me. No. Because when you think about it, it makes sense because they know what I'm going to say is yeah. going to undermine their raison d'etre, the whole reason for being and why they're yeah. here. So, well, as, uh, if, I, if I reference that book of John Sanford's again, The Genetic Entropy, he uses the term, uh, I think it's primary axiom, which from the atheist is there is no God, everything evolved from from nothing. And for the, for the hard nut UFO guy, the primary axiom is there are aliens on other planets visiting Earth. And I... Yeah. And I'm biased, obviously. I don't think you could possibly watch your movie and come away with that conclusion. I think the movie just categorically destroys alien life uh, and, and shows that it is, it's uh, interdimensional, not extraterrestrial. Um, but there are, there, there are those that are like Gollum, you know, not listening, not listening. And I, I just don't want to know. And I don't think we'll... You know, I don't think that there are some that you, you just won't be able to reach. But as I was watching on The Chosen the other day, you know, if the, you've got 99 safe sheep and there's one out there that can be reached, we go and reach them. Yeah, and look, I always say to people, um, and, and I find this very, very liberating for me personally, Rob, it's not my job to save people. And I don't mean that flippantly. I can't yeah. save anybody. Uh, I'm called to be a faithful witness. Uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Um, when I fly in the US, which is about every two weeks, I you know get my diet coke from the stewardess, and this person sitting next to me says, "Where are you from?" You know, and they hear the accent, and what are you doing here? I'm the CEO of Creation Ministries International. Yeah. And, you know, we get into conversation, and yeah, I find you know more so in the US, people are very open, and sometimes I've had scientists next to me. Oh, creation—that's pseudoscience. Well, why do you say that? And I ask them questions. And at the end of the day, they're free to disagree, and I don't get personally offended by it. Yep. That's the thing I think people struggle with their witnessing is they're, they're frightened of rejection. Well, I just want to encourage folks, it's not you that's being rejected, and it's no. actually not your battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's God's battle. And I often say to, to people as well, I've, often in churches I'll do a quick survey and I say, how many of you here got saved the first time somebody spoke to you about Jesus? And I think I've done the thousands of people, and, I, and honestly, I think I could count on the fingers of one hand how many people. Yeah, yeah. My own experience, it took my friends many, many witnessing times and many, many different people before it started to work on me. Because reality is, if you're so immersed in that primary axiom and that one worldview, it's very unlikely after the first conversation you're going to change somebody's mind. 
Yeah. However, I found with this UFO thing, as I said, it is different because if people have had an experience or, and it can be as benign as seeing something, that's the majority of what I get. I've had literally thousands, and I'm not exaggerating, uh, people, and, and they don't tend to write to me like the abductees do, but just about every church I go to, somebody will come up and say, well, I, I saw a UFO. Yeah, it was 1975, and I was driving my car, and I saw. Now, 90% of it can be explained, but the point is, they never got an explanation. So it's always created that doubt in the back of their mind, and that's where Christians can fall prey. I wonder whether it was a UFO, and that doesn't mean unidentified, unidentified flying object. They mean was it a spaceship? From a spaceship. Yeah, UFO that's right. Yeah, I mean, so, my yeah, it's. My primary axiom is that if if you know the Bible better, you are in a better place to discuss and argue your faith with someone else. You are less likely to be offended by somebody. I mean, I, I sit beside people on planes, um, and we're, I'm happy to talk to whomever, and I'm happy for them to believe whatever. Um, I was packing kiwi fruit, uh, Gary, last year. And a uh, young English guy, and I said, to him, they knew I used to be a pastor. So I said to him, I said, well, what do you believe? And he actually believed that God is a, uh, she is a s- spiritual being way out on the other side of the universe. And that we come to earth because we needed to learn something that we couldn't learn on any other planet. And when we die, we go back to be one with her. We become one with her. And I said, well, I think that's a load of rubbish, but you're free to believe that. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to push what I believe. I'm happy to tell you what I believe. But I'm not going to try and shove it down your throat. You've obviously thought about this. That's what you believe. But I think there are a lot of Christians that don't have a solid foundation in their faith, a solid knowledge of the Bible. Um, Proof, uh, my wife Sharon is one that walked away like so many millions in her teenage years through through evolution and biology, uh, walked away from the faith because of that. so if we get that information, we are less likely to be offended and we're more likely to be able to present the case for Christ, to use Lee Strobel's word, and plant some seeds. And that's, that's what we're called to do is plant the seeds. Absolutely. And I think what you're describing and, and the reason, you know, I mean, I've been in ministry for 30 years, so I, I, I do have, you know, a grasp of a good range of subject matter. Yeah. And so, therefore, I'm confident about what I believe. And that's where we miss out. Um, you know, I think the Bible makes it clear that we are to go out and preach the gospel, uh, make disciples of people everywhere as best we can, and we can only do that if we're equipped. I mean, that's what apologetics is all about. And yep. we are. We're talking about aliens and UFOs in this modern world. Well, the Bible doesn't talk about it, but I guess what? The Bible actually does have an answer and we said that this is, you know, the topic that's number one on the TV, it's number one in the movie theatres, and, and so we have a great opportunity to yeah. do something that people are interested in. And I've said to pastors and churches and parishioners, and I've said, go out on the street and ask any 20-something-year-old, do you think that UFOs are visiting our planet? Because uh, CNN did a poll here year, uh, some years ago that showed the majority of Americans that they poll believe that extraterrestrial life has visited the earth or is visiting the earth. And then when they took that subset of the group, right, they said the majority of those groups said that they believe that the government was covering up. So when you consider that, you know, 70% of Americans call themselves Christian or whatever it is, yeah. it must include a lot of a lot of Christians in there. 
So it's going to be very, very difficult for those Christians to witness to somebody when they turn around and say, well, hang on, well, what about aliens then? Did God create them, uh, et cetera? You know as well as I do, um, the number one question that youth bring today, and we did a video survey if people want to go to creation.com forward slash fallout, I interviewed university yeah. students on campuses here in the United States, and I only wanted um, to talk to people who said they'd been raised in the church, if they said they'd ever been raised in the church. And out of the hundreds and hundreds of kids that we interviewed, only five of them still remained in the faith. And the number one reason they gave for rejecting the Christian faith was evolution. Yeah. Because they could not believe the Bible's origin story. That's question one, which helps answer questions two and three. And the five kids that remained in the faith, every one of them had been exposed to creation arguments and apologetics while in the church, while at home. So, And I asked one girl, I remember, I said, you I said, what are you studying? She said, biology. And I went, oh, my goodness, you know, yeah. steeped in evolutionary theory. Yeah. And I said, you're not convinced by the arguments put forward? She goes, no. She said, I know that God is creator and I believe yeah. in God's history. Yeah, that's the uh, study biology without being losing her faith. You know? Yeah, and that's why the ministry of creation ministries and and others like yourselves is is so important. Gary, thank you so much for your time. Um, for those watching, then or well listening, watching, just click the links uh, down the bottom, and we'll put links in there to uh, creation ministries, to the book Alien Intrusion, and the movie. Um, Rob, could I mention too? We've just started a streaming section on creation.com. So, uh, which is brand new for us. So, if people want to watch the movie, they don't have to, you know, order the DVD. Oh, excellent. Nobody owns a DVD player anymore, but they can actually stream it straight from creation.com on a short term or an unlimited stream. Yeah, can you turn out a special beta video version? A beta video version. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I, I have such fond memories of uh, talking about uh, apologetics, and I've said that. Uh, there's only one country in the world where I've ministered in churches where I actually got booed uh, when I was at the pulpit, and that was in New Zealand. Because oh, really? In Aussie, I used to make jokes about the All Blacks. <laughs> so uh, I would just say for those that have seen me in person over there over the years, hope they forgive me and find the information <laughs> interesting today. <laughs> Marvellous. Gary, thanks for your time. See you, Rob. Bless you.